Christmas songs. You know, we get to the end of singing those, and most people are usually thinking, oh, can't we do some more? And the answer is yes. We'll get to do some more of that. We'll get to do some more of that yet this morning, and then tonight again, uh, we're going to get together for a less formal kind of gathering. But uh, if that's what you enjoy doing, one of the things you really enjoy doing this time of year, that can happen. Merry Christmas and welcome. We're glad for everyone that's here. Uh, congratulations to everyone who wore a red sweater. Just, someone said to me, I'll bet you get that out once a year. I said, mm, that's about right. To help get your Christmas season going this morning, <clears throat> here is a Christmas quotation quiz I put together. It's real simple. Just shout out the answer of who said these things, all right? Get the wheels going. Get the Christmas wheels going. Here's the first one. Remember, George, no man is a failure who has friends. Who said that? Clarence. Clarence Oddbody, angel second class, all right, and it's a wonderful life. Here's one. What if Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store? What if Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more? The Grinch. Dr. Seuss helped us with that one. That's right. I'll bet you can get this. Christmas is a togethery sort of holiday. Oh, bother. Who said that? That's a Winnie the Pooh quotation, all right? Here's one out of history. How many observe Christ's birthday? How few his precepts? Guess who said that? No? That's a good guess. That's a great guess. The answer is not Cindy Lou Who. It is Benjamin Franklin. All right. That was a great guess, actually. How about this one? I know nobody likes me. Why do we have a holiday season to emphasize it? Yeah, that's Charlie Brown, you know. That's very Charlie Brown. Here's another one. A lovely thing about Christmas is that it's compulsory like a thunderstorm, and we all go through it together. <laughs> Anyone know that one? That is from the works of Garrison Keillor. I'll bet this one's popular. Every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled in his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Ebenezer Scrooge. How about this one? Hate, 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 double hate, loathe entirely. That's the Grinch. One more, one more. A Christmas miracle is when your family doesn't get into a single argument all day. <laughs> Melanie White, she's a counselor and an author. How is it, I hope you notice the contrast in some of those, how is it that Christmas, for some people, is the most wonderful time of the year? The greatest thing there ever was, and for some people, at the same time, it is hands down the very worst of 365 days in the year. How can that be both things? I think it comes down to anticipating what Christmas is going to bring you, how you approach it. Some people are looking forward to a gift that they already know is coming. Christmas morning couldn't be here soon enough, right? 
or Christmas is getting to see the kids or the grandkids, or it's getting out of school, (laughs) or some great food, making some great memories. People who look forward to income tax time, those are the people who are getting a big refund. So people who are looking forward to great things about Christmas love this time of year, right? On the other hand, some people dread Christmas. Christmas was that season, that time of year when something really rough happened in life. Or maybe this Christmas is going to be the first Christmas without mom or dad here or something like that. Christmas Day is going to be challenging or lonely and it can't come and go soon enough. And it's more like a person who goes into income tax season without having good records and without having enough money withheld. See, the difference isn't Christmas itself. It's where you're at in life, isn't it? I want you to remember something this morning. That same thing was true when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. In fact, when we look at the two accounts of Jesus' birth in the Gospels, we get kind of those two sides. Luke. Luke reports that for some, the the news of Jesus' birth was good news of great joy for all people, a Savior who is born to you, Christ the Lord. Good news. Shepherds come and find him, and they leave rejoicing. Anna and Simeon find him in the temple, and they speak words of encouragement and hope for being allowed to see the Redeemer. And for all of those people, the arrival of Jesus to earth is a reason for great joy. Matthew reports some of the other side. Jesus is born, and so Magi from the east make the long journey to Jerusalem, duty-bound to worship him, and they are announcing that they are looking for this new king of the Jews. King Herod and all of Jerusalem are all in an uproar over it. Herod calls a meeting of the Jewish leaders. He's going to murder that baby. The Magi sneak away, Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus run for their lives to Egypt. The baby boys of Bethlehem are killed. The arrival of Jesus to earth brings out the worst in some people and it creates turmoil for whole cities of people. Same story, but how people respond to it depends on where they're at in life. And I want to tell you this morning, that is what happens when Jesus shows up. For about four weeks, we've been talking about Jesus coming. Here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. And we've looked at a lot of angles of that. I wish that for every person this morning, I could help you see that the birth of Jesus into this world is just like the angels announced it to the shepherds. It is good news of great joy for all people, a Savior for you. We don't even know the date that Jesus was born. So much of the the thoughts and the events that we have made into Christmas this time of year are man-made. Lucy Van Pelt, famous theologian, (coughs) said, we all know that Christmas is a big commercial racket. It's run by a big Eastern syndicate. That was very prophetic of her. If Christmas Christmas is something that you dread this morning, 
And I wish for you that I could help you back to what it's all about. The bad memories, the crazy rush, the long lines, the lonely feeling, the sappy Hallmark movies. Those are all just side issues of what really matters here. You strip away all that wrapping and Christmas has very little to do with all that. The message of Christmas is that God came to earth to save us. The the message of Christmas is that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God, because of the great love with which he loved us, raised us up together with Christ, even when we were dead in our trespasses. So Linus Van Pelt, as he's quoting Luke 2, 8 to 14, drops his blanket in the middle where it says, fear not, and finishes reading the scripture and then says, as he turns to Charlie Brown, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That was true 58 years ago when the Charlie Brown Christmas special aired on CBS for the first time. It is still true this year too. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what we need to remember when we talk about the way that Jesus came. Jesus came. In the past, yes, he came. And there will continue to be different responses to that, but just the fact that Jesus came to earth, that's not going to change. That will always be the same, and that is what Christmas is all about. Starting Tuesday, I'm predicting... The UPS store, when it reopens, is going to have a line of people lining out the doors, only they're not picking up things. They're carrying things into the UPS store, products from Amazon. The customer service section of most stores is going to be the busiest part of most stores, full of people carrying things not out of the stores, but into the stores, looking dazed. It didn't fit. It broke. It wasn't really what she wanted. You don't need two of them. What on earth is this? What do we call those? Returns. Returns. It means they came, we had them, and we brought them back. Return. For whatever reason, we're bringing them back to the place that they are from. Acts chapter 1. Forty days after Jesus rose from the dead, his mission finished. Jesus is giving final instructions, saying final goodbyes to his closest followers before he returns to heaven. And then it says there, he was lifted up into the air, right in front of them. When you let a helium balloon loose into the sky, what do you do? You watch it, right? And you watch it as long as you can and it floats away and see if it clears that flock of geese and see if it gets caught in a tree until finally it's so far up it goes out of sight. And then what do you do? Well, you keep looking. Why? Because you want to see if it maybe is going to come back into sight again. Here are Jesus' disciples. He's drifted away. A cloud has obscured him and that's what they're doing. Wondering if they'll see him again. Two angels are now standing next to them. Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. 
folks, Jesus is going to return. He is going to come again. That needs to soak in this time of year. Yes, Jesus came to earth in the past, but Jesus is going to come again. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And I want to ask you this morning, is that you? Jesus came the first time, so when he comes to show up on earth again, guess what that's going to be called? It's going to be called a return. And we've got that first part down pretty well. We've got the get the gift pretty well, I'd say. We've set apart a holiday. We've surrounded ourselves with reminders that Jesus was born. You know, even at the Pops concert at Coronado Theater a week ago on Friday night, Santa Claus himself quoted from Luke chapter 2, telling the story of Jesus' birth, you know, like Linus did in the Charlie Brown special. Of course we're thinking about that today. Of course we're thinking about Christmas today. It's, for, it's Christmas Eve for crying out loud. Even though it's 50 degrees outside. But what if that's not all there is? What if not only Jesus came, but he's going to come again? Wouldn't that be a big event? Well, Jesus seemed to think so. He told his disciples, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am there you may be also. <clears throat> a few weeks ago, here at Central, we, we considered how Jesus came just like he said he would. How the Old Testament prophets were pointing to Jesus hundreds of years, like Brian was speaking about, hundreds of years before he was born and he arrived just like he said he would, but they were also pointing, get this, beyond the birth of Jesus, beyond that time to a time that hasn't even arrived yet, a time that's still going to come to pass. Jesus is going to come to earth again a second time, a return. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, Now little children, abide in him, so that when he appears... We may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Our thoughts today, tomorrow, about the birth of Jesus, are empty of their power unless they include this, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose again. The manger and the empty tomb are fundamentally linked together from the start. Let me take that this morning another step forward from there. The birth of Jesus on earth and the return of Jesus to earth are one story. Do you realize that? It's one story. Carrie and I have been empty nesters since our youngest, Andy, left for college in 2012. Do you realize that, hon? <clears throat> 11 years now. And you know what? There is a certain satisfaction in watching your offspring spring off. 
That's your job as a parent to help them launch and to do that, to see them go off into the world and do what God has for them to do. But parenting is a ripoff in that way too because you pour yourself, you pour your resources, you pour your energy and time into this person so that they'll leave. And the plan is once they leave, to stay left. They're gone, he gone. Let me tell you something about Christmas. Christmas isn't like that. Whether you want it to be that way or not, Jesus came once, and Jesus is coming to earth again. He's coming a second time. He's coming back. This is God's plan. Nothing is going to make that go away. <laughs> the birth of Jesus on earth and the return of Jesus to earth are all one story, and we're in it. We're in the middle of it. The important question this morning then is where do you fit into that? Remember at the beginning we were talking about two different ways that people look at Christmas. There's some different ways people look at the return of Jesus. Ready or not, here he comes. When Jesus first came to earth, there were some people like Simeon and Anna who were watching and they were thrilled for him to arrive. There were others like Herod who went to extreme action to oppose it and each of them fit themselves into the story differently. Either way, here comes Jesus. Now I can speak with confidence that when Jesus comes to earth a second time, there are gonna be some people who are glad about that, and there are going to be some people who are terrified about that. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> I'm done with the introduction. <clears throat> Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Jesus is speaking. He's talking about end times. He's talking about his return. And in verse 35, Luke 12, he says, Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. That's unheard of in that day. That's what Jesus says is gonna happen for those who are waiting for his return. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. And then he changes the word picture a little bit and he says in verse 39, but know this, that if the master of the house had known at one hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the son of man is coming in an hour you do not expect he's coming. Ready or not, just like Jesus' first arrival on earth was seen from different perspectives and different responses by people, just like the Christmas time now evokes different responses from people, Jesus' return to earth is going to bring about some different responses. Some are going to be expecting it. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, that should be you. 
He's told us he's coming again. We are living in, do you remember, what the New Testament labels as the last days. That was written nearly 2,000 years ago. The only things that's changed about that is that these are the laster days. It's closer than it was. And so we're supposed to remind one another about this fact that Jesus not only came, but that he's coming again. And so I'm doing it this morning. He's coming a second time, like it says, 1 Thessalonians 4. We are supposed to, what's the word? Encourage one another with those words. Brothers, sisters, Jesus is coming again. Isn't that good news? How you feel when you think about Jesus coming again tells something about your relationship with him right now. We ought to be excited at the prospects that Jesus is going to return. Philippians 3, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. Why do you suppose that some of the very last words of the Bible are, Amen, come Lord Jesus. It's because thinking about Jesus coming back to earth just like he left should bring us great hope. Remember, hope lives here. Bullying has always been a problem in the world. It's not some new thing. Whether it was despotic kings in history, maybe your power-hungry manager at work, people who prey on children, Scott Farkas in the back alley, or your classmates on social media. It's not new, but I have noticed this about bullies, that bullies tend to be less of a problem when your big brother shows up. Jesus coming back to earth is a lot like your big brother showing up when the neighborhood bully is up in your face. And the one who's going to say, "Uh uh-oh, when Jesus returns, is not us. It'll be that bully. The enemy who has been bullying God's people since the Garden of Eden. One day, God is going to say, enough. And there's going to be a shout and there's going to be a trumpet blast. And Jesus is going to descend just as he left this earth. And he's going to take up his people to be with him. And he's going to deal with the bully. And the Lamb of God is going to roar like the Lion of Judah that he also is. And every evil is going to be brought to justice. And I'm looking forward to his return. So how do God's people, who are truly God's people, look at his return? I'm glad you asked that. Again, 1 Thessalonians, this time chapter 5, verse 2. 
You yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying there's peace and security. Then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. See, there's another group of people involved in Jesus' return. There are always two groups of people when it comes to forever, how that's going to look. The other group are the people who are caught off guard, the people who suddenly it's, it's going to come to them the realization that time is up. Maybe they're fine with Christmas and they're fine with the idea even that God came to earth at one time, but that's not supposed to have much sway over the present or over my future. That's the other group. So back to the question I mentioned at the beginning, where do you fit in? Where do you fit into this? Where do you put yourself into this story? Because the birth of Jesus on earth and the return of Jesus to earth are all one story. And we're in it. Where do you put yourself in the story? We're smack in the middle of it, just as surely like there was a living nativity scene and there you stand in your bathrobe holding a shepherd's crook. You're in it. how you feel about eggnog, whether or not you prefer Bing Crosby or Mariah Carey or the Pentatonics, that's not the issue. If you no longer send out Christmas cards and you send out emails instead, whether or not you still go caroling, that's not the issue. How hard are the memories that are tacked onto December the 25th for you That's not really the issue. The real issue of this season is if you are among those who are waiting for Jesus or if you are among those who are going to be caught totally off guard because you never really gave it any thought. So as you look at the manger scene, again, for whatever number of times that is for you, remember this. Here comes Jesus. Ready or not, here he comes. We dismiss from here today. <clears throat> We're going to have an opportunity to hang out and visit with each other, <clears throat> drink hot chocolate, things like that. If you're somebody who's not ready for Jesus' return, his second coming, would you make it a point to catch me and talk to me? Find out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Make Christmas 2023 the year that you make yourself ready for his return and you begin to live like you're waiting for it. Today here at Christmas Eve, we're going to end our worship by celebrating the Lord's Supper together. We're especially celebrating Jesus' birth. So how fitting is it for us today to celebrate his death, 
his resurrection. You know, from the earliest days of church history, there wasn't a Christmas celebration and an Easter celebration. Those two things were one and the same. Anytime they thought about, spoke about, celebrated the birth of Jesus, it always included the cross. It always included the fact that Jesus not only came, but that he lived perfect life for us and then gave that life for us on a cross and that he rose again. It was all together. That's the gospel story. That's the good news about Jesus. Of course we remember that today. Of course we share this time together. I want to read a poem. I don't do that a lot. But I want to read you a poem this morning by a writer named Malcolm Gate that ties these things together well, I think. O come, O come, and be our God with us. O long-sought withness for a world without. O secret seed, O hidden spring of light, come to us, wisdom. Come, unspoken name, come root and key and king and holy flame. O quickened little wick, so tightly curled, be folded with us into time and space. Unfold for us the mystery of grace and make a womb of all this wounded world. O heart of heaven beating in the earth, O tiny hope within our hopelessness, come to be born, to bear us to our birth, to touch a dying world with new-made hands and make these rags of time our swaddling bands. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And then you may find the Lord's Supper at any of four tables around the room. If you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to share together with us the Lord's Supper. We'll ask you to get up and to go to those tables to take it with you back to your seat. Then you can share that together with your family as a group or by yourself, you and the Lord. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, Paul says that as often as we do this, as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we do show the Lord's death until he comes. Today, together, let's remember that whole story of the gospel together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the story that begins in our thinking with the birth of Jesus, the arrival of him here on earth. Help us today to put that all together, realizing that it is a story yet to be finished. And here we find ourselves this day in the midst of it, remembering and recalling but Father, also looking forward. So today as we take in our hands the bread and the cup, we remember the body and the blood of Jesus handed over willingly by him for us. And we thank you. We thank you for the assurance of forgiveness, to be able to be made right in your eyes, to prepare us 
for the day of his return. Father, help us not just to look backward, but to look forward this day, to see that our lives will be lived for you. And so together as the body of Christ today, we thank you, we praise you, and it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.